Welcome to iForum. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 54 of i4o. Um, it is always a pleasure every single time to see everybody, um, but especially my beloved co-host, Jeff Badzinski. How are you? It's I'm, I was really worried I wasn't going to make this week, but I, I had a, a lucky break and we were able to get it going, even though it's a little bit later than normal. Yeah, it's but. it's a little late, but um, it was worth well worth the wait to have you join me. Uh, I was going to be doing a solo episode earlier in the day, but um, when the, the chance to have you on came into my mm-hmm. life, I was not ever going to turn that down. So The stars aligned perfectly. The stars aligned. And uh, but, now, now we're here at approximately 9 p.m. on a Sunday. So if you're joining right. us, thank you very much. If you're listening later, uh, bear in mind that we've been through a full day. So, Thank you later also. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, despite the fact that it is a bit of a later Sunday, um, we still have a lot to talk about this week. Um, we have some follow-up news on the Microsoft GitHub experience that was going on. Uh, There's a little bit of news about SharePoint and mixed reality, Tesla autopilot, and uh, our good friend of the show, Net Neutrality, is making another appearance. But um, without further ado, I think we should jump straight into the first topic, which which broke literally one day after we had the episode, and they were just rumors at the time that we reported on it. But um, Microsoft has officially acquired GitHub, for 7.5 billion dollars in stock yeah Um, so that's that's pretty big news to anybody who's a software developer or has any kind of uh company investment in that tech space but uh what are your thoughts on this because i know you you may have some friends who work with github or have some software developer friends yeah have you gotten any have you heard their opinions on it um everyone's just afraid that the world is going to crash and burn around them from what i can Mm -hmm. sense uh you know, I've taken some time to think about this. I think everything's probably going to be just fine. Um, but yeah, seven point five billion dollars—what a hefty fee! That's even bigger than what we had anticipated. Um, yeah, I wasn't quite sure. I think the initial offering was five, but looks like GitHub got what they were wanting. It looks like they got what they had wanted originally at seven and a half. I know that was what uh, the rumor was that they had stated was their asking price for the bid um but uh it's it's hefty but honestly like i'm a little surprised that github isn't worth even a third as much as linkedin to be completely honest i thought that because linkedin i think sold for i think it was 26 billion or 21 billion or something in that ballpark which just kind of blows my mind that github isn't worth even half of that you know well it's weird now they have Um, quite a bit of microsoft stock $7.5 $7.5 billion yeah. worth of Microsoft <laughs> stock. Considering uh, I like hardly ever use LinkedIn. Yeah. And I know people whose literal careers depend on GitHub. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I kind of share that sentiment. Like, Microsoft hasn't, they, they've been pretty hands on with some of the things that they've acquired and um, pretty uh, open to change. And as these companies get integrated into the Microsoft ecosystem, and I know that uh, according to this TechCrunch article that Microsoft is installing a new CEO um, to GitHub in place of the original CEO. So 
that could mean some pretty big changes from the top down. Um, but I'm very interested in, in where this could go. Um, yes. So, it um, says... Oh, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was just going to kind of follow up on the staffing uh, conversation. We brought this up a little bit last week, but it looks like the um, former CEO of Xamarin, which is a mm -hmm. uh, mobile app development app creation software company, um, who was currently uh, Microsoft's corporate vice president, is to become GitHub CEO. Um, and GitHub's founder and former CEO, Chris, wow, Chris Wanstrath, will become... Wanstrath. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Matt. <laughs> Rub it in. Uh, he'll become a Microsoft technical fellow, so he'll be working on uh, strategic software initiatives. Um, nice. Yeah, so... The fact that uh, we have a new CEO for GitHub at Microsoft is showing um, how they're aligning, I guess, the with yeah. acquisition. Um, it's similar to what they did with LinkedIn, uh, as you mentioned LinkedIn earlier. Um, mm -hmm. There's a quote here from an official Microsoft spokesperson, which is saying, GitHub will retain its developer-first ethos and will operate independently to provide an open platform for all developers in all industries. So mm -hmm. they're... Um, Kind of keeping the game plan the same in terms One of what, can hope. yeah, what GitHub does. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, because they've, aside from maybe a couple of changes at the higher level, uh, LinkedIn has been largely left to its own devices uh, from the Microsoft purchase, and that's that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Um, but since GitHub has never really turned a profit ever in its history, um, they I guess they decided that. Even this article says the same thing. It says that selling them themselves and going for an acquisition was more preferable to them over going for an IPO when there's a company that's never really made any money to begin with. So I guess it makes sense just to go for the acquisition right off the bat like that. Yeah, I think um, Microsoft's really searching to become kind of the, the platform that is thought of in a developer's mind, um, no matter what they need to do, they, they want to bring in that development, those developers. So acquiring GitHub is certainly a way to, to get there. Yeah. And they're seeing competition now also from Bitbucket, GitLab, and uh, there's a large number of like enterprise-level versioning control systems and um, uh, hosting tools for programming. So there's... They're starting to see their fair share of competition, and it's something that I think was only a natural step, especially if, like, this is saying that you can't compete. And mostly, I think they're relying off of their free service. Not a lot of people who are outside of enterprise, I think, have private repos in GitHub. So, like, there never really was much incentive to go and pay to use their service mm -hmm. for because, like, I, I'm trying to like imagine. I can't. I can't imagine at all that there's that many people or that much money coming in per the cost of paying all their employees and all of the expenses of running their servers and um, just all of the money that goes to just standard running the business type things that would be left over much for a profit at that point. Yeah, so. it's, they actually uh, have never turned a profit. So yeah. um, mm -hmm. the most revenue they see is from um, subscriptions, um, but that is paid accounts, which are for, like you said, I would guess enterprise use. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I can see the reason why people would be skeptical just because it's a change. It's Microsoft. It's a big company. They may have an agenda. It's not really easy to tell. But at the same point, like, I don't know. I think it's too soon to 
go up in arms and get all offended and angry that like your service is getting brought to somebody else like if anything um save that contention for when something actually happens with github that is against what what github stood for for all of its years that it's been active and available um like a lot of people were like i saw some threads on reddit like people were it was the end of the world to some people and like heard from people who knew developers who were like oh man this is the worst i hate this this sucks like gah, like i i don't like this at all one bit and it's just like all right put the pitchfork down for like 20 <laughs> minutes and just see what happens and um i guess like only time will tell with with github it's still pretty soon it's only been a week so i don't think that uh anybody including microsoft wants to mess with the github yeah, community especially because so. microsoft uses github <laughs> right and i think i think like we mentioned on the last episode a big part of why this is going to be something microsoft wants to do is not just you know getting a company and necessarily profiting financially directly off it but by integrating with their like services like azure uh, for cloud hosting I think um, its collaboration tools could become very robust as a result, um, and maybe it would make a lot of sense to, for them to be the go-to yeah. with things like that in and, place. I mean, maybe this makes them com uh, competitive again. No one can it, no one can really say for sure, but um, they're according to TechCrunch, they had an exclusive bit um, tip received that a lot of um, open source software maintainers and uh, smaller groups of developers are already looking for alternatives to github um and they're not even waiting for a confirmation of the deal or they're not waiting for any kind of um any kind of news going forward on potential changes they're just gonna up and drop ship and go somewhere else which like i said i think it's jumping the gun just a little bit too too early yeah. um but i mean developers are gonna do what developers are gonna do so it's really up to them anyway yeah um but yeah it's exciting stuff. I was, I was like kind of mad that literally, like, not even 24 hours after we reported it initially, the rumors were already confirmed and it was all over. We were like, remember, this is just a rumor. <laughs> like, we were very careful in, in trying to convey the message that that was just a rumor. But um, it looks like that it was more than just a rumor. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. They bought them, it's done. It's done. So. So just following up on that. Um, Quite a done deal indeed. There is some other interesting news coming from Microsoft. Care um, to share point that with me, <laughs> sir? I sure would. <laughs> so uh, Microsoft is bringing SharePoint work environment to VR headsets. Um, I think that qualifies for my lamest attempt at joking ever, probably. Pretty close. I've heard worse from you, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, SharePoint, um, Microsoft's way of um, bringing business-focused software um, collaboration tools, uh, they're bringing it to mixed reality headsets now. So for services that provides like organizing documents, building intranet sites, managing content, et cetera, et cetera, um, SharePoint is very widely used. I'm sure you've heard of it at some point in your life. Um, mm -hmm. So bringing it to VR may sound interesting. Why do I need document control in a virtual reality headset. Um, so it's, as you might expect from virtual reality, it's for visual, visualization purposes. Um, 
So their, their kind of approach here is to bring SharePoint into the VR world so that you can do things like some nice examples I read were like during onboarding of new employees, uh, training courses, product development, maybe some um, tutorials, videos, things of that nature. Um, could really be a reliable asset. I know that you know, training is a huge part of what makes a business successful. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, for anybody who's watching the stream, I'm going through a slideshow of like some of the different experiences that they have for this, which is pretty cool. I mean, I can see this being set up like in a conference style environment where utilizing some of the Microsoft Office services like Skype for Business or something where you have like a VR conference room where it's like you're sitting in a room and you look around and you see the the floating Skype avatars or the video feeds or whatever, or what have you um, around. I think that'd be pretty cool. I think that's one of the many directions they're going to take this in, just kind of close that distance gap that exists in so many companies with multiple offices or maybe even um, people who can't be on site that you need to interface with when you're working somewhere. Um, I think that this could be really cool, especially knowing that there's going to be updates made to Office in general, probably with VR, where you can be working in VR on Office documents, projects, collaborating, uh, et cetera. Um, this is a cool step. It kind of reminds me of that uh, virtual desktop interface that we had covered maybe a year ago now, um, mm -hmm. where you put on the headset and your desk has virtual monitors that you can reorganize and resize. Oh, and yeah. Mm -hmm. That I was could, cool. Yeah, it and was. I can just see, like, I can see it now, just like all these new PowerPoint transitions that are going to be coming through, where it's just <laughs> like, not only can you experience the PowerPoint transition, but you can be the PowerPoint transition into the new slide. The music, like, comes around you, 360 audio, that Dolby Atmos transition swipe sound. Oh, man. Like, Imagine oh, the power of Microsoft school, at your fingertips. School presentations, you could like have them recorded and everyone can watch your presentation in VR. Pivot the tables themselves with your hands in right. Excel. <laughs> Feel the user data. Yeah. <laughs> watch the charts rise above your head and into the sky. Uh, it, <laughs> it just like the it's mixed reality is cool um but it better be like mind-blowingly awesome if you're gonna mix like microsoft word into it <laughs> yeah for real um because like we're saying like you can have these conferences and you can have these onboarding video experiences and stuff like that but like the rest of microsoft office is kind of boring mm -hmm. as <laughs> so, it is as it is right now yeah you never know. Microsoft Word could be like this crazy new brave experience going forward that we've never heard of before. But um, it's exciting. I it don't is. know. I'm, I'm just getting a little like out of hand with the with the imagination. That's, that's all the potential of the ridiculous possibilities of the full power of Microsoft Office within yeah. virtual reality. I feel like uh, like custom formatting and maybe like. I mean, this is boring stuff, but it's exciting to me, like uh, mm -hmm. formatting images in a Word document and placing them and maybe like aligning mm -hmm. like your, your text fields and things of that nature to make like a real almost hands-on as if you drew the document by hand, what you're doing in VR. Well, we were geeking out over spreadsheets before this podcast started, so yeah, I'm, uh, that I'm, says a lot about who we are and what we're interested <laughs> in. <laughs> there are, there, I can't count on both hands how many people know me as an Excel guy, so... 
Well, now you can add me to it because I was not fully aware of that before this tour started. So yeah, and maybe learn in, something new every day. Maybe in mixed reality, I can have more fingers on my hand, so I could do that. So you can add. Yes, <laughs> now we're cooking with oil. I see it. <laughs> it's just like look at all the look at all the friends I can count. I see the future office space where you walk in and everyone has their headsets on and is barely aware that they're around other people. Microsoft Office could literally be in an office in reality. <laughs> wow. That would be incredible. Like Excel is the spreadsheet on the wall yeah. and PowerPoint is like the book in your desk. Maybe and like Word is a piece of paper. Maybe if you need someone to like review or sign off on a document, you can actually go bug them in the VR space, like poke them yeah. and be like, yo, sign this. Yeah. <laughs> like when you get to like their VR space, it just interfaces with their email. This the possibilities are endless. Yeah, your Outlook appointment shows up and you like open a door and then you're inside of it. You know, this is the most exciting Microsoft has ever been to me. So I'm really like cherishing this moment right this now. Is, this is their <laughs> moment in the bright sunshine. <laughs> hanging out, like look to your left. Cortana is just hanging out in your office. Yeah. Just like, oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> oh, man. But this it's cool stuff. And it, like, it's cool to see mixed reality and virtual reality. And the, the mixed reality part seems pretty interesting. Um, if they can actually integrate this into like the actual office, that would be cool. Um, if they can get it to that point, I think that's where office would shine the most, not necessarily full on virtual reality, but in mixed reality, I think is where yeah. um, this would have the coolest applications. Um, but that's beside the point. That is I, I, yeah, I, the goal yeah. here is for mixed reality, but yeah, mm -hmm. obviously. But virtual reality is the inevitable first step yeah. once you get VR down and, you get the tech down, then you can start experimenting with mixed reality. So it's probably just a couple of steps away from getting to that point. So, yep, I think it's really, really cool with like, uh, like graphic design, 3D design, things like that too. What you mm -hmm. can do with this could be mind-bogglingly cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to following up on this and seeing as this develops. And maybe we'll talk more about this later. Maybe we'll have some more exciting news in uh, summer of 2019. Right. So it's. I mean, who who knows what the year holds, and we're only um, just now getting into like the cool stuff happening during the year. Like we had Computex and uh, E3s coming up, and there's a bunch of events. WWDC just happened, um, but nothing really hardware related. If we're gonna go off on a tangent real quick from from Apple, so not really a whole lot to talk about. Just some software improvements, and there's plenty of articles available online for anybody who's interested in that, but Microsoft is working. This is some cool stuff from Microsoft. Um, okay. I'm looking forward to talking about this again. Yeah, me too. Tangent done. Tangent done. And next article yeah. coming up. Yeah. The next one is really cool. Uh, so Tesla is going to begin enabling full self-driving features in August. So um, this would be perfect if uh, Irvin was able to speak to this and maybe we'll get his personal uh, experience with autopilot up until this point um, as it's evolved and developed I, th I know his particular tesla has stopped autopilot at a certain stage and this one's a couple steps ahead um, but yeah elon musk had revealed that autopilot version 9 is going to be arriving in august which will be um, enabling full autonomous driving features so right now um, autopilot has only been focused on highway driving and I think with the latest autopilot eight, it might be in, um, I could be wrong. Uh, they had, they had it so you could 
roads that connected between highways like you can merge off and merge onto a new highway um and just taking those smaller little overpass roads um, it'll work with that now but this is going to be full autonomy um and it's not going to be a 100 percent self-driving car right um but it's it's just way more advanced than what we already have now so it's it raises a few questions like are, are we ready for this and is it too fast um what are your thoughts on it i'm, well, I'm really curious on there have been uh, there have been a lot of headlines uh with you know some accidents crashes with autopilot active and tesla um two sides to that coin in every story um it would seem uh, but tesla is still making its primary concern um the safety of this technology um maybe another primary concern is their production line let's be honest but um this is them beginning to enable some of the full autonomous driving features so it's not like they're gonna say all right now you don't have to interact with your car you can just press a button and go it's introducing different capabilities um gradually which is cool and i think that that's where this inevitably is heading mm -hmm. um uh they're saying some some of the features may be limited to maybe like a parking lot or other non-highway places in terms of safety until you know confidence maybe is regained um but this coming out in august is really exciting especially if you're a tesla owner because i think everyone's been itching to see what this is like um and I'm very curious to see how they've addressed recent safety concerns and how that will be reflected um, yeah. when this no, is unveiled. It's so. it's important to note that it's still very safety focused. So it's not like you're not going to be able to flip a switch and go from home to work without ever touching your steering wheel. It's not that. What it is more so is you can flip your autopilot on on a long road that's straight or a little bit more of like a windy kind of road, but as long as you're not doing any kind of overly complex maneuvers, like I don't know if this is going to be able to make full turns, like left turns at streetlights into a different road at a, at a four-way intersection, um, or if it's going to be able to just kind of coast you down a longer road, um, going in a straight direction, leaving the more complicated maneuvers up to the driver. But it is going to have those same regular checks with the driver to make sure that they're not like on their phone or asleep um this it's probably more so for rush hour and eliminating some of the more menial tasks with driving a car something where it's um kind of much of the same as the, what we already have but expanded to more roads um is simply what it is also there's a fix for merging lanes and rush hour traffic um but i don't I, you're right i don't think tesla's done a very good job at all at addressing um, the concerns that people have with self-driving cars because we have reported on people actually dying from being in accidents in self-driving cars or being hit by them and this technology is exciting and it's a breakthrough in um, in machine learning and autonomy and vehicles but uh, i think it's there's still a few questions in the air about the true safety of this versus a driver you know yeah, and, and I think it's perfectly reasonable for people to have some anxiety about getting into a, a car that claims it's self-driving. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, there's also a big gray area when it comes to fault when there's collisions mm -hmm. like that. Is it 
the software's responsibility? Is it the software's fault if something goes wrong? Is it the driver's fault? Come down to this. And we've seen we've seen some states uh, push out legislature on that, saying I think like Arizona, for example, or mm -hmm. um, California. There's one state that said that the the whether it's the driver or the software, whichever was currently in control of the vehicle at the time of the accident, that is going to be who is at fault. So, but how the insurance and all that stuff is handled, that's something I don't know. I would wonder uh, if your insurance rates would be higher or lower if you had these features in your car. I'd imagine maybe lower. I don't know. I feel like a lot of accidents are just stupid mistakes at rush hour where you like bump somebody because yeah. you weren't paying attention. You look down for one minute. Um, like I'd imagine that that's probably maybe more than half of the car accidents on the street. Little fender benders that could have easily been avoided if you had a camera on the back of your car letting you know, hey, you're getting too close to this guy or like right. a sensor on the front to automatically apply brakes if you get too close to somebody, whether you see it or not yeah um, I, think. I feel like that would i feel like it would help and it would drop insurance rates for that reason alone but uh, that being said there's still going to be serious accidents and high speed more just much more serious accidents than what we currently have today i also i feel a little bad for tesla in a way with these stories because i feel like you see the headline of Tesla autopilot crash. And that's mm -hmm. basically, I think a lot of people, that's all they would read. And then they say, okay, can't trust it. They don't look into yep. who's at fault, what happened, whether a driver is paying attention, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope, you, um, <laughs> what do you think of the name autopilot? As of right now? I don't know if autopilot's the best name for this feature. Yeah. Like, I feel like if they just simply changed it to um, assisted driving or something like that, I think that would be much more transparent on what it actually does. Because yeah. if you call something autopilot, I think that by that name alone, people who don't read the manual or like care to look at the features are just going to be like, oh, okay, I can just throw this on and forget about it. Well, you know, when you're on autopilot, like in a plane, autopilot's kind of the same thing, right? It handles your controls, your steering, everything, but you're still you're still there interacting with yeah. it. I think maybe, yeah. maybe maybe copilot would have been a better name. <laughs> maybe, but at the same time, even like pilots, most of the flying is 100% aut autonomous. Yes, like it's they don't actually have to do anything. They're there in case of emergencies. Mm -hmm. So that in that aspect, it's not the same as autopilot yeah maybe it's similar to airline autopilot in like the 70s or 80s back when that was brand new and if, even if it was around then i don't even know but like very early stages of autopilot i think that would be what it's most similar to yeah so but but i i don't i don't know if autopilot's a, a sufficient name for it that i i just don't know like it doesn't seem correct to me yeah um People may disagree, and I'm sure there's reasons that are valid and uh, stuff I may not be thinking of. But I think changing the name from autopilot to something that's a little more transparent in what it does, I think that would help their case here. I don't think it would hurt them at all. Yeah. So because people are like, because oh, every time, every time I have talked to somebody who doesn't, who ha doesn't either doesn't own one or um, has never really ridden in one or never done their research on it, like doesn't care to look up about it. Like just the average person, um, they've never really known 
exactly what autopilot means. They're like, oh, those cars can drive themselves, right? And it's like, no, not really. Not really. Yes so and no. But... So like worst case, you get someone who doesn't know and they buy a Tesla and they go out for the first time and they get into an accident because they're like, oh, it's autopilot. I never right. really cared to, to look this up. But yeah, you gotta. You I know, digress. You have to RTFM just like everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, our, it's our, yeah. it's a, it's dicey, and it's something that's gonna get worked out. I think. I don't as think the tech becomes a little better, but yeah. I don't think there's any stopping it. Really, it's like it's going going to happen at some point. It's just yeah. You know, yeah. Addressing concerns in the meantime, uh, getting the public comfortable with it. So. Mm -hmm. we'll see what happens yeah. here in august i think that uh hopefully good things are in store yeah and hopefully this does a good enough job at um addressing the the safety issues that um that come with the older versions of autopilot like um there was a tweet to elon musk that was mentioned in this article um I was saying, speaking of merging an autopilot, the biggest issue that I have noticed is when two lanes merge and it's rush hour traffic, the autopilot's not able to decide to let the car slightly ahead to go ahead, and the driver finds himself invariably concerned. And Elon Musk had uh, retweeted it and replied and said that this issue is uh, better in the latest autopilot software rolling out now, fully fixed in the August update as part of the long-awaited version 9. Um, to to date, the autopilot resources have rightly focused entirely on safety. With version nine, they'll begin to enable full self-driving features. So, um, it's gonna. I'm gonna need to see this for myself and watch some of the the videos of autopilot for Tesla in August and see for myself exactly how good this new feature is. So, I wonder if we um, could even go find a Tesla dealership and get a demonstration or something. That'd be yeah, really probably. I can I can imagine that they would have that because um. When they when they test drive you in the in those Teslas, it's usually with the highest end model. So, like I think the one that I drove was like a P eighty five D or something when I test drove a Tesla, which was a very fun experience. But that was like two years ago, three years ago. So, either way. Yeah, I've never driven one personally. I've just uh, been the co-pilot. There's the the one in in the mall near us. You can actually go. And it's free. You like they don't care if you're gonna buy one or not. They just you can just go and set up a date to test drive it. So if you're looking for something to do on a Sunday, uh, take you and a buddy, or like you and your girlfriend or something, and go and drive a Tesla. It's pretty cool. Check it out. Yeah, they're like, and then they're like totally open. Like we were just like we're not really interested in buying one. <laughs> like we just want to test drive it, just so we can experience it for ourselves and just see what what that like what it, the whole hype about it is and they were like yeah man come on we'll come in whenever you want and we can get you set up on a ride whenever even so, that you may not be interested in buying one now but in the future you might be interested in buying yeah. a car with autopilot so show me what and you plus got it's, it's word of mouth so yep. it gets it gets the word out there that hey this is a really cool car you yeah know? matt if you ever find yourself talking to people on the internet maybe you could talk well, about your experience i don't know yeah. if you're i don't know if you ever do that but no um i have to try this talking on the internet thing yeah maybe in like a recorded format um almost episodic if you will yeah um, live on the interwebs mm -hmm. okay yeah maybe 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 if we're gonna get real advanced down the line we may go itunes or google play or something something like you know? that maybe we'll talk yeah. we'll, we'll talk a little more about that later yeah yeah um, i for all spelled out so something <laughs> something else we uh have been meaning to talk about 
and by meaning to talk about, I mean we've talked about it on almost every single episode. Uh, net neutrality, net neutrality. The hey, it's me, your boy, net neutrality. Right. Coming at you with another installment. Well, uh, apparently you will be not coming at anyone with any installments as of tomorrow, <laughs> because uh, rolling back the Obama era net neutrality rules takes effect tomorrow, Monday, June 11th. Um, it's donezo. So it looks like the the legislature did not get overruled. Um, it got pushed through, and as everybody to everybody's shock. It has been rolled back for whatever reason. Um, But, yep, the official proposal comes into effect June 11th. That is Monday. That is tomorrow. For those of you listening live, that is Monday, June 11th. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, but uh, it's a lot of people, like the basic principles of net neutrality are good. And it's very controversial nowadays for whatever reason. I don't think it should be controversial, but that's just my controversial opinion on this controversial topic. Um, But yeah, so it looks like just because the parties have changed, the policies are changing for whatever reason. Um, So Ajapai has called the Obama era rules heavy-handed and a mistake and argued that they deter innovation and depress investment in building and expanding broadband networks. Which makes zero sense. Also, I those words mean zero to me because they come from Agit Pai. Yeah, I have zero respect for that human. Just saying. Yeah, he can he can get as big of a Reese's cup mug as he wants, but I don't like him at all. Yeah, it's, it, there's no explanation behind it. Like, there's been all these rumors of them faking the DDoS numbers to kind of deflate the sensationalism from the quote john oliver effect you've probably seen that before i have um like there's been like flat out lying there's been misdirection like it it was not a clean rollback at all by any stretch and it looks like largely the general opinion of the american public has been ignored well, and i'm sure as far get, as he'll get paid out for his his efforts tomorrow when things go oh, yeah. through so he's gonna get a nice nice paycheck from verizon and at&t and Reese's maybe but i mean like this issue net neutrality has from like whenever i explain what it is to somebody like it's it doesn't become a partisan issue anymore it becomes like this is just basic internet regulation this is just making like because I can guarantee anybody who doesn't own Comcast or Verizon or AT&T and sees these laws and sees the, the examples of the abuse that have happened in the past, nobody wants this. It's anti-competition. Yeah, even Google and Facebook are supporters of net neutrality, just to give you yeah. an idea. Um, mm-hmm. Because so, it only benefits the service providers. Yep, because they can... competing hard. Yeah, so... If you have been living under a rock or haven't listened to our show, um, net neutrality is basically saying that all traffic on the internet should be treated equally. So whether you are posting on Facebook or you're streaming on Netflix or ordering something on Amazon, um, all that should be done at the same... The the traffic should be treated equally. Um, 
with this repeal of net neutrality, it is meaning that companies like service providers like AT&T, um, who in fact is trying to buy Time, Time Warner or Comcast, who owns NBC Universal, um, now they're going to be able to favor their own content over competitors. So it's giving them an upper advantage. It's setting the field so that they can charge you more if you want the service you're used to um, without really much benefit for you, the consumer. Um, and this guy, Agit Pai, has just been the, the flag bearer for this movement. And the day has come. Yeah. The day has come. Uh, a good example, going back to just like the whole what is net neutrality, of something that is anti-net neutrality and something that's actually done is um AT&T and DirecTV using DirecTV using DirecTV service with an AT&T phone plan does not count against your data but using Netflix or YouTube TV or Sling or any other one does so that is favoritism to a product that AT&T the service provider owns which is DirecTV and that immediately puts DirecTV on a higher playing field than Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Sling, um, Plex, whatever, what have you. And that's just purely because AT&T owns it, not because it's a better product. Yep. As a matter of fact, DirecTV is garbage. <laughs> it, I've used it. I've attempted to use it. I don't think I've ever had a, a streaming app crash as many times as I have on DirecTV. And it's just bad. And I tell, would recommend anybody steer very clear of DirecTV. It's awful. So, but yeah. <laughs> I Net neutrality sucks. And um, a lot of people are like, but wait, we still have the FTC to police the internet. You do. The FTC does have the ability to act on abuse and to help suppress these types of uh, abuses of our system but that being said unlike the fcc the ftc can't jump ahead of the gun and stop these abuses with policy before they start they can only act after the fact after the damage is done um so it's it's different we're kind of going back to the internet that we were a couple years ago um the same internet that AT&T had blocked FaceTime in favor of their own video streaming service, video calling service. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that stuff didn't really get reported on because of the heavy influence that these service providers have on the methods of getting the message out there. So AT&T could just be like, oh, these people are talking, uh, talking smack on me. I'm just going to drop that uh, service down to make the bandwidth lower to make it a less favorable website people won't go on it whatever what have you um it just paves the way for shady deals yep that's really the bad thing about it and i hate that and the fact that it's actually come through and going off on another tangent i'll bet that if we had a change of power going forward going from conservative to a democratic um fcc or fcc and they roll this back and roll it back out. Like this makes regulating on the business side impossible because businesses don't know how to, they don't know how to plan ahead. They can't project with their current policies. You know what I mean? Like it not only does it hurt the consumer, it hurts the business because nobody can plan for anything. And it's just, it's anti everybody. 
except for service providers because they can and make money. Enterprise wallet, yeah. Yeah. So Netflix and YouTube are going to have to pay these service providers to have prioritized traffic. And with all the traffic that Netflix receives, they're going to say, hey, tons of people use your service. Guess what? If you want them to have a good experience with it, you have to pay us a boatload of money to keep that up. Mm -hmm. Not many people know this, but Netflix actually had a deal with Comcast for a similar service for a brief period of time for like six months or something like that. Um, so like these deals are just going to keep coming and coming and they're going to get worse and worse. And in the words of Lando Calabresen, he's like, these deals keep getting worse all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to fast lanes. I'm not looking forward to, to any of this. It's, it's a mess. And the more we educate people, the more they know about it. And the more they know about it, the more that they can have an opinion on it. And the more they can have an opinion on it, then the more that the closer we can get to getting actual like policies made to help the consumer. Right. Because in no way does this help the consumer. Well, At least none that I can think of. In, the, in uh, May, the Senate passed the Congressional Review Act, also known as the CRA, to overrule the FCC's actions, um, but the House hasn't taken any action on that. Um, so people are urging Speaker of the House Paul Ryan to schedule a vote, uh, but there's a larger majority of representatives who would not, pr probably not like to see this uh, CRA go through, and if it were to go through, our POTUS, Donald Trump, would still have to sign off on it. So mm -hmm. we will see what happens. You never know, but tomorrow is the day when the internet dies. <laughs> if only Don McLean were here to write a new song for us. Yeah. yeah. If only. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I don't know. There's um the only rule that's older that's been left behind. Um, was the transparency rule, which requires broadband providers to disclose how they're going to be managing their networks. Um, so the FCC now requires service providers to commit to disclosing when and under what circumstances they block or slow traffic and to disclose if and when they offer paid priority. But I'll bet you that that it's going to be embedded in like the terms of service or not made very easily visible to the consumer. Yep. I don't think Comcast is going to release a commercial saying like, hey, just a fun fact, if you're going to watch something on Comcast, it's going to be slower on YouTube. Just a heads up. Like, <laughs> they're not going to just say that out loud. If you want to view the statistics, you have to pay for Fastlane access. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's like you are currently on the uninformed stream. In order to upgrade to the access to this information, you're going to have to pay an additional $39.99 a month plus get a box that will push you all of these news updates right live uh, <laughs> but yeah that's uh, <sighs> that's the latest and quote unquote greatest for net neutrality oh it's so great let so me tell great. you got some I don't know uh, it's got some other great news sarcasm yeah font yeah so Amazon has admitted to labor violations at its echo speaker factory in China um Hooray. Yeah, another topic we've talked about before. Not exactly a, a happy and smiley one. Um, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, labor violation laws in China have been violated while making Echo speakers and Kindle e-readers. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
Um, there was an audit conducted in March that revealed over 40% of the staff there were low-cost agency workers who didn't get holiday or sick pay and could be laid off without wages. Um, and that's over the 10% that's allowed in China. Um, mm -hmm. And employees who worked overtime were paid at their regular rate rather than time and a half. Um, they were paid less there than other Foxconn factory employees. And, uh, yeah. And also the pay was not good either. No. They were paid... Um, a staffer making Apple products in Shenzhen has a base monthly pay of 375 US dollars, which is 2,400 yen. But one of Amazon's Hengyang workers, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, so apologies if I do, um, they start at 1750 yen, which is only $273 per month, which is all, which is over $100 less per month. And both of which are considerably lower than the estimated living wage of $710 per month. Um, so as a result, many of the employees are working 80 hours of overtime um, in order to just make a living and get by off of the base estimated living wage. So that's a little ridiculous too. Um, I it's like, we all heard these rumors that uh, that Amazon was doing this and they were abusing their workers globally by like we've heard in like some other places there were factories that had only just recently as of like back when they came out the articles like four or five years ago only just then getting air conditioning on their floor yeah and things like just basic things or like and like employees being God. scared to use the restroom during their shift because they'd be yeah. chastised and maybe fired for it so they would just like pee in a bottle or something or yeah, like, I don't even. It's like it, it's it's excessive, and I think that um, the fact that Jeff Bezos is now the one of the richest men, if not the richest man in the world, mm -hmm. I think it moves him to take some of that extra money and help his employees out who were helping him get to that point. You know, like it's what? Amazon's always had this reputation of being this really grueling, corporate grinding wheel to work for whether you're a developer or someone working in one of the factories, but just the fact that, that they're not paid anything at all and less than half of a living wage, like it's like, it, it's just, it's straight up abuse of their employees. Yeah. And what may be even worse is that these things are happening. It's known mm -hmm. that they're happening. Then there's an audit that's conducted and then these things come to light and then they're like, Oh, we had no idea. Now we'll definitely fix this and make it better. It's like, mm -hmm. no, you opened up those factories in other countries because you knew you could cut corners and you could, you know, save, pinch pennies and save dollars. You're this giant company that's saying, like, you're doing these great things for the world and you know this is going on in behind the scenes. Yep. And it, it's wrong. You know, Amazon reminds me of Silicon Valley with um huli when yeah. they if you've seen the later seasons when they're going overseas yes. to get cheaper labor to build their box <laughs> the box three needs to be made tonight yeah it's not like this isn't any spoilers for anybody who is watching the show but it's just um it's just kind of if you do see that it's like a very uh it's like a comedic take on on this and it's it's like a it's just hilarious how similar that is 
to what we're literally reporting on is actually happening right now. Like I thought that would just be a joke. Like Silicon Valley has always taken tropes of tech companies and just taken them to extremes. But the fact that what we're reporting on is literally something that was happening in the show is just like, take a step back and look at what you're doing to yeah. your employees. Yeah, seriously. Like what any humane person would do just because they're, they're thousands of miles away. And just because that other companies in the area are doing it like you're Amazon, you're better than that. You're going to, you should be like the beacon of work in those countries. Like you have these monster companies like Amazon and Apple and Google. And I don't know if Snapchat makes their glasses overseas or if they make them in the U S or not, but you have these monster companies and they just straight up like abuse these third world countries for lower rates and we've seen this in factories for hundreds of years when they started to move over to the other ones. But these people, they're literal, like Google's literal motto in their description is do no evil. Like don't be evil. Yep. And like a lot of them are like make the world a better place. But it's like, well, you can't make the world a better place if you're pushing people into the ground with 80-hour work weeks. Right. It's, a, it's just a rant, but it's something that's just so basic. Where does that treat your employees well? Where does that um, like level of no in being in the know in that company stop? Like, there's people who know this and are either not doing anything about it or trying to and being stifled. At what point in that company line does it get where someone's just going to be like, "I am making the executive decision not to let this be known"? Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, you have people living it too, so they're going to go and. maybe tell their friends that their job sucks or something like that. But also maybe this is like one of the better jobs in the game right now in that area. So this is only the estimated living wage. They don't tell you the average wage yeah. in Shenzhen or in Hengyang. Like they don't tell you what the average wage is and it could be right at that number. So this could just be like a normal wage in that area. Yep. Um, but that being said, that's still not really an excuse to paying an employee who is literally making the core products that define your company or like running your logistics centers or something, making your Echo products, whatever. Like it's not really an excuse if you're a company that's pulling nearly a trillion dollars in stock value, whether you're Apple, Amazon, this goes beyond even just Amazon in this. So yeah, it really does. It's mm-hmm. almost industry-wide. So, yeah, would definitely like to see some change here, some major change. Yeah, and I think that as this information gets more globalized, I think we'll actually start to see that happen, hopefully. So, one can hope, right? So, story of hope. Yeah. So, so low. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I do think we have one more topic to talk about. Um, we can rag, still rag, ragging on the usual suspect. <laughs> yeah, we're just dragging our listeners through the mud right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It's it's, some, like it got, very like morbid topics. Well, it's really muddy here this week, you know. Yeah, yeah it did rain today. Matt too. So, so, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Lead it off. <laughs> to go literally off of that. Um, yeah. So, Facebook has goofed. Facebook done goofed. Um, they made the posts of 14 million users readable to anybody. Um, so you know that that fun 
little switch on Facebook that even I have set where it's like if you like post something, you can set it so that way only a limited number of people can see your posts. Uh, well, turns out that that wasn't the case for Facebook. Um, they accidentally made a bunch of posts designated to be shared with only a certain number of contacts public to anybody. Um, it was a bug that automatically suggested posts be made public. Um, and from May 18th to May 27th, as many as 14 million people who have intended to be private or limited were public. So it might be worth your while if you were sharing some sensitive information on Facebook to go and check your statuses and make sure that what you're sharing is okay with over 2 billion people potentially being able to see it. So, well, at least they have a privacy basics page now. Yeah. Users can be referred <laughs> to as if they didn't know, Hey, Oh, you're telling me to use the settings I tried to use. And then you disregarded and posted publicly. Thanks a lot. Facebook. <laughs> Did you see their commercial that they sent out? I That's, saw it a lot during like the NBA finals and yeah. during like the Stanley cup where it's like, Hey, you remember all those beautiful family photos that you took with your, with Matt, your family. What did I say? Brothers and sisters. Well, we're sorry. And we acknowledge that we messed up. <laughs> <laughs> what did, what did I say when we had O'Docked on here? We we're talking about Facebook at first with the Cambridge Analytica. So mm -hmm. they're going to, they're trying to appeal to your personal side and your memories and your emotions trying to be your like another member of your family it's like can't you forgive us like you love us your whole life's here well yeah. you're kind of screwing that life up like i wonder how many people lost jobs because of this because maybe they posted something they that they didn't want someone else to see or i wonder how many people lost friends over you know it's it's a betrayal of trust that's that's what it comes down to you're and supposed this is not only the first one, it's not going to be the last one. Right. It's and just something that we've grown used to dealing with Facebook over and over and over and over again. Thankfully for me, uh, I can't say the same for everybody, but I hardly ever post to Facebook. And if I do, it's like I'm sharing a link or something, something that I'm like not that concerned with. But like some people, they post daily to it. They have status updates. They do those little quizzes. Yep. Um, like you've seen, I'm sure you've seen that before people filling out those little questionnaires where it's like name the first person you kissed or something like that yeah yeah which character from this movie would you be <laughs> <laughs> which stone on thanos's gauntlet would you be <laughs> oh man in yeah. like in like a year that joke won't make sense because yeah. no one will remember that but um the million glove you know what this is 14 million more users though and uh, the ca data breach was 87 million users so sizable very sizable this is like what a sixth of the amount of users that were up in arms back then so mm -hmm. if you haven't already left facebook the signs are pointing towards maybe you will be soon yeah they're like, oh, we fixed it. And starting today, letting everyone affected know and asking them to review any posts they made. So you you may actually get told by Facebook and not by us first. You yeah. may see it there. Um, but at least they're doing that as much. Um, that being said, they're just like, we hear you loud and clear that we need to be more transparent in what we're doing and how we build our products. But, you know stuff happens it's, it's 
cancel right you know those yeah. regular sunday commits because that microsoft bought github you can't control where that's going anymore and what if microsoft wanted it? like come on guys it's like <laughs> yeah like i don't know yeah just miscommitting the bugs and <laughs> dealing with the software and the mistakes and the and the bugs and uh, Google and hit their tablets. Happened. This is what we did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> getting old, Facebook. Uh, it's getting really old. Yeah. Tisk yeah. tisk. Mark Zuckerberg starting to look like a robot. Starting to look like a lot more these days, yeah. Yeah. On the outside, not just the inside. Yeah, yeah. It's starting to surface his software defects. Zuckerberg.exe is yeah. running into some issues. Or, or, update. or Reptilian, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. Know that, I know that you have some opinions on that that I'll be anxious to hear soon. I may be covering that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, okay. Um, but yeah, so I think that's really all there is to it. Um, we're going to see notifications over the months for this. Um, watch what you post on Facebook. A fun little PSA. Yeah, um, as usual. The, the three pillars of I4O is being very careful with what you post on Facebook, staying informed about net neutrality, and ensuring that your printer drivers are up to date. Printer Those are the three drivers. Pillars. Printer yes. drivers. Yes. <laughs> That's the three pillars. So That's all there is to it. But um, but yeah, I think that brings us right smoothly into the end of the episode. Smooth transitions. Smooth as butter. So, yes, let's get into the self-promotions and get into where people can find us if for whatever reason they're listening and they don't know where to find us. Woohoo! Yes. So, for... All of you lovely listeners, um, if you like what you hear, if you want to hear more, if you want to talk to us or get in touch, share your thoughts or opinions. If you're watching the live stream, the social media is right above me. But for those of you who are listening, um, you can find us on Twitch. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter, all at the handle Industry 4.0, all spelled out. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, after the fact, not live and listen to us, share us with your friends. If you have a highlight you like, you can replay that moment live to your friends. Um, you can do that on any huge number of platforms. We have Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, any like pretty much anything at this point that can play podcasts yep. has our feed. The only one I've noticed really that didn't is Plex and their podcast service is in beta. So yeah, I'll forgive so... them for now. You can still look up the feed on Plex, so that's fine too. But um, but yeah, you're able to look up us pretty much anywhere now. Um, and it would also help. Um, we love to follow up on on these, and we'll give you a shout out on the show if you drop us a review on one of iTunes or Stitcher. Um, it's great to get feedback from you guys and let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and what we can improve on. And what we can make worse if you want that for whatever reason. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we, we love following up on, on feedback and hearing from you guys on what we can talk about or what we can do. Yeah. Even just for giving us ideas on like future I for explains or things of that nature. Yeah. Maybe if there's a certain segment, like 
you'd be interested to hear a certain style discussion suggest it mm -hmm. we might like yeah. it too and maybe we'll do it on the show yeah and stay tuned because there is an i for explains coming up um we should still probably do the gdpr one yeah. in the near future so i think yeah. that stay tuned for that one it's the, it's TBA, so it will be popping up in your feed eventually. We just want to make sure that we have all the right information for you guys and what it means for you as a average listener, not necessarily at, at whatever job you may be working at or whatever. Um, GDPR for you and me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jeff, where can we find you on this wild world wide web of ours? It's a wild wild web. Um, mm -hmm. So. Where you can find me is on soundcloud.com forward slash the J bones. That is where I have my beats and musical creations. Uh, that's where they're kept. Uh, if you like some of the music on the show, those are beats that I made myself. Um, I have fallen a little behind on creating some new ones, but I do anticipate making many more beats and many more songs mm. in the near future. Uh, beautiful i am expecting to have uh kind of my own studio set up in the near future so i'll be doing that with a lot of my free time um i love it other than that you can find me here uh i attend industry 4.0 whenever i am humanly able to do so it's a good place to call home yeah it is i feel nice at home yeah nice mm -hmm. at home um, um man. i finally after all this time have something that i can plug finally. yay <laughs> uh so for anybody this is for any of our adult listeners um i'm not going to recommend this to anybody who is younger because there is a lot of language in this podcast but i have a conspiracy theory podcast that i run uh, with a couple of friends called whomst conspire um that is also available on podbean and google play and itunes currently we had just published our first episode last weekend and we're going to have future episodes in the works uh the first episode being about chemtrails um but yeah you can tune in for our opinions on these conspiracies what they are and what's important about them what's not important about them what's crazy about them and also have a solid opportunity to catch up on some gardening tips as well from our uh, resident expert in plants, uh, Mike, one of my co-hosts. So uh, if you like conspiracy theories and you like a late night show style podcast with a little less structure than this one, then go over there and give that a check. And I'll, I'll drop the, the Podbean link in the, uh, the show notes for anybody who is interested. So that'll be uh, off the top of my head. It's whomst-conspire.podbean.com. Actually, no dash from what I can see. Uh, Hopes conspire, one word, no caps. Dot podbean. Dot com. Yep. So that's the feed, I think, or the username. So, but yeah. So feel free to check that out. Um, and yeah, it's new. It's something exciting. So check it out. Support the show. Chickity chick chick it out. Yeah, with, with so that. I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah, Matt, it's been another good one. I always love it. It's we always, always a pleasure. Yeah, we always have a great conversation, and mm -hmm. I like to see the activity in our Twitch chat every week. Um, mm -hmm. 
for any listeners out there, we are really trying to buff up our Twitch presence. So if you're listening after the fact on a podcatcher, Podbean, what have you, um, if you are able to tune in on Sundays when we broadcast these, you get to see our faces. You get to see our articles that we're referencing on the stream at the same time, and you can participate in the Twitch chat to interact with us and the other listeners. Yep. So. And I've also been very up to date on our Twitter account too on posting about delays or any kind of issues or uh, giving you a more exact time on when we are going live. So feel free to give us a follow on Twitter just to keep up to date with that information. It's a little less on the Facebook side and a little more on the Twitter side. So um, feel free to check us out on Twitter also. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's been episode 54. And I'll see you guys next Sunday. Thank <laughs> you.